Welcome to the Let's Rise podcast, where we share motivating and inspiring content for the goal of rising together. Today's message has been specifically created just for you and your life circumstances. We hope that you enjoy this life-giving message brought to you by Pastor Christopher Lajian. We started this series simply because we want you to keep your love on lock because not everyone deserves your heart. When you give your heart to someone who doesn't deserve it, they don't know how to use it and it can end up broken. First week, we spoke about the D word, divorce. We spoke about how people start things they cannot finish and we rebuke that for you. We speak life, we speak healthy marriages and healthy relationships over your life. Second week, we spoke about when is the right time? I don't know. I can't tell you an age, but what I can tell you is what it looks like. And what it looks like is you definitely need a high school diploma, okay? You definitely need some sort of higher education, whether it's college, whether it's a trade, whether it's the military. You need something. You definitely need a job. Do not date people without jobs, okay? You need a mode of transportation to get from point A to point B. If you don't have these things, you shouldn't be thinking about love at all. Then the third week, we spoke about what scripture says. Scripture says marriage is between a man and a woman. Scripture says you are only afforded one spouse, not multiple spouses. Okay, scripture says don't date a non-believer. There's no opinion on that. You either want to do what scripture says or don't. That is your right to choose. And this week, in our last sermon, we brought it all down to this. This is the big idea of the series, and it's simply this. If you are taking notes, please title this, Don't Date God. Don't Date God. God. You should be taking notes. Don't date God. In fact, remember, take your notes with you. If you left your notes, they are on the table outside from last week. You can pick them up. Don't date God. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you right now. I pray that through this time that we have together that you remove me and you speak through me. That the message you downloaded into me goes forth and not return void. Let us leave here today having a better relationship with you. You're worthy to be glorified and praised. And everyone says, amen. So, <clears throat> story time. This may shock you. This may shock you. I mean, this is shocking right here. I know you, you won't even believe me, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Here we go. I have not always been a ladies' man. I know, I know. Shocking, right? Oh, my gosh. I haven't always been a ladies' man. Matter of fact, there was a brief time in my life, and when I say brief, I mean like a week in my life that I was a ladies' man. Oh, yeah. It was 2006. The great year of our Lord. I was 19. 
I worked at the hospital, 12-hour shift. Smoking cessation facilitator was the title. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay? I made more money than any 19-year-old I knew legally. Okay? I had a 2006 car in 2006. I was a ladies' man. I went to church for the first time as a ladies' man. I pulled up in my nice car, and all the church girls were like, ooh, and I'm like, hey. It was actually a February series. I remember the series title because I took notes. The title was Sex Usual. I remember the pastor because I took notes. This was 2006, y'all. The pastor's name was Rich Wilkerson Jr. I can tell you exactly where I was sitting in that sanctuary because it was a divine appointment between God and myself. I remember God just looking at me. I felt him looking at me. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there. I felt God just judging me, just looking at me, just shaking his head. And I looked up, and I was like, God, it's only been a week. He was like, Chris, what happened to that little boy? Who dreamed of being married one day? That's right, fellas. You can dream of being married too, okay? It's not just the girls. And I was like, God, it's only been a week. And, and, and he was like, Chris, what happened to that little boy who wanted to be a husband and, and a father? And I'm like, God, come on. I've only been a ladies' man a week. Come on. He was like, this ain't you. So needless to say, I stopped being a ladies' man, and I started dating God. Now, I needed to date God in that season in my life because I knew nothing of God, or so I thought. I needed to date God. Some people may need to date God. However, in this room, what I'm asking you to do is to skip the dating God phase altogether. Normally, we tell you don't rush into things because if you rush into things, you rush out of them. However, for this purpose, I'm asking you to cannonball Okay, I'm asking you to rush into God. I'm asking you to completely skip the dating phase. Here's why. When you date someone, the purpose of dating is to get to know that person and for that person to get to know you, correct? And if that is the purpose of dating, here's why dating God does not work. God already knows everything about you. He already knows everything about you. So Ephesians 1, 4. If you, this is where you look in your Bibles, all right? Ephesians 1, 4. Go ahead, flip to that. Flip, 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 flip. Ephesians 1, 4. Okay? Ephesians 1, 4. That is New Testament. I have a lot of scripture today, so you're going to be flipping your Bible. You're going to be opening your Bible. Ephesians 1, 4. It states, before the foundations of the earth was laid... Before the foundations of the earth was laid, God had the cross in mind. So before the foundations of the earth was laid, God knew you. That's right. God knew what would frustrate you. God knew what would make you sad. God knew what would make you happy. When God knitted you in your mother's womb in Psalms 139.13, he had a plan for you, a plan not to harm you but to prosper you. 
to give you a hope for the future. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. God already knows you. So dating him doesn't work. Also, when you're dating, you're trying to get to know that person. And here's the truth. There comes a time during the dating process where you have to make a decision. Do I want to continue dating this person or do I not want to date this person anymore? And a lot of times you have to look at the situation and say, is this person really taking this seriously? Are they really getting to know me? Have you ever said this to somebody that you know? How could you not know that about me? Didn't I tell you this already? Why don't you know this? There comes a time where if you're dating someone, you might have to cut it off because it is clear that they are not taking the time to actually get to know you, get to know what you like, get to know what you don't like, get to know what they can say around you, what they can't say around you, what they can do around you, what, you, what they can't do around you. There comes a time in a relationship when you're saying, we've been dating for a while, but I feel like you still don't know me. So why are we still dating? And when it comes to God, here's why dating him doesn't work. Because the fool in his heart, this is scripture, this is not my opinion. The fool in his heart says there is no God. That's Psalms 14. I know God. When I wake up, there's breath in my lungs. How did that breath get there? The spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. That's Job 33, 4. I know there's a God. If you're blessed with sight, if you're blessed with sight, you go outside, you see mountain terrain, you see ocean front, you see dry land, you see plus fields, you see four seasons, you see winter, spring, summer, fall. You see the stars in the sky. You see all of the different animals. You see the different people, the different races, different ethnicities, different cultures, different facial features. And you see that someone had to take their time on everything. Someone had to create this. You see God every day. If you're blessed with ears, you can identify different noises. You can identify different voices. Why is that important? Because what did God use to create everything? His voice. We can feel God. We talk about conscience. We talk about the inner voice, that inner part of you that tells you, don't go there. Don't do that. Stop that. You need to defend yourself. This isn't me. This isn't right. Don't trust that person. You should trust that person. That inner voice. Society will tell you it's your conscience. They will tell you it's the inner voice. However, scripture says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The inner voice is the God that lives in you. We can feel him. But most importantly, most importantly, on top of all of those things, God has left us a book, a spirit-inspired text that tells us about his character, that tells us who he is is
If you don't know love, you don't know God because God is love. First John 4, 8. Scripture says perfect love cast out all fear. First John 4, 18. So God, who is love, cast out all fear. What is love? Love is patient. God is patient. Love is kind. God is kind. Love always protects. God always protects. Love never fails. God never fails. So if we can see God, we can hear God, we can feel God, and we have a word that tells us who God is, could it be if mankind, if I, if we say we don't know God, what we're really saying is we're not interested. If we're saying we don't know God, what we're saying is we don't want to know God. God has given us every opportunity to know who he is. Dating God does not work because God knows everything about you. And we have every possible resource to know everything about God. But let's move forward. During the dating process, it's important to get to know somebody because now you're seeing the boundaries. You're seeing where you can go, where you can't go, what you can say, what you can't say, what you can do, what you can't do. You're seeing boundaries. You ever been hanging out with some friends and there was other people there, okay? Not necessarily your friends, but you're all hanging out and then the other people, the others, they cross a line and they cross a boundary. Some of you, you think to yourself, but some of you, you're not afraid. You just say them, say to them, hold up. You don't know me like that. Or hold up. I don't know you like that. We say that. And when you're getting to know people and when you're dating, you're seeing what the boundaries are. The reason this doesn't work in dating God, God has no boundaries. There is nothing about me, nothing about you that is off limits to God. We can be private with each other. We can be secretive with each other. We can hide from each other. But there is nothing we can hide from God. There is no privacy from God. You go to the mountains, he's there. You go to the depths of the sea, he's there. You try and hide in a cave, he's there. You can run and run and run no matter where you're running to or from, God is there. There are no boundaries. Now, here's what's important, and this is very important for us to take into account. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is omniscient. That means he's everywhere at once. However, God is a perfect gentleman. He doesn't abuse his power. This is important for us to know when we get into relationships, just because you have a power, just because you have power doesn't make it right for you to use that power against people because God doesn't do it to us. Just because you have information doesn't mean you can use that information against people because God doesn't do that to us. But there is no boundaries for God. That's why dating him doesn't work because you can't set a boundary. God can do what he please, but praise God that he's not a man that he shall lie and he keeps his word. Keeps his word. Let's keep going. When you're dating, initially you start to learn the other person's friends and family. And this is very important. This is so key. When you get into a relationship with someone, you're not just getting into a relationship with them. You are getting into a relationship with their friends and their family. This is very important to know. Dating God doesn't work because, one, we're already friends. John 15, 15. 
I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You want to know who God hangs out with? Look in this room. Everyone in here is a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. God hangs out with the best of them. God hangs out with the worst of them. And he hangs out with the rest of them. God hangs out with everybody. So you know exactly the type of company he keeps. You're the type of company he keeps. We are already friends of God. Two, we are already family. Romans 8, 15, 17. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Oh, you know how amazing it is to be an heir? You know what that means? That means everything that belongs to the father belongs to you. All of his possessions, not worldly possessions, not money, because you can have all the money in the world today and have nothing tomorrow. Not gold, Do you? because things are backed by gold in this world. Do you know gold is pavement in heaven? The, things, the thing we worship here, the thing that is backed by all currency is pavement. It's concrete in heaven. It's what they use to build stuff. Not that, not, not a beautiful home, none of that. We're talking about what's God's is ours. We're talking about being an heir, a real heir, real things that matter. And how do you become an heir? Of course, you're a son, you're a daughter. And we're not daughters by worth. We're not children of God based on who we're born to, where we were born, what your nationality is, what your ethnicity is, what your culture is, what your social economic status is. No, that's not what makes you a child of God. We are children by birth. And what do I mean by that? We are to be born again. We are to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We are to be baptized in water. We are to be baptized with the Spirit. We are to be born again, new creations and then we become children of God. We're already family. That's why dating him doesn't work. Now, in the context of this series, a relationship series, outside of family and friends, the one romantic relationship, well, romantic relationship that's left, the one relationship that's left is marriage. And it's very important to say this because we are considered the bride of Christ. Okay? We are considered the bride of Christ. Fellas, we are also considered the bride of Christ. And I want to take a sidebar here and talk to my guys. All right? 2020, we have made everything weird. Society has made everything weird. We have made it so that as men, we can't show affection to each other. As men, if you say you love 
one another. As men, if you are affectionate, there's a title that's placed on you or there's a stigma that's placed on you. No. This entire Bible we preach is about a father's love for his son, a son's love for his brothers. All through the Bible, we can look at relationships between friends that are loving, that are affectionate. See, in 2020, we have perverted everything. We have made everything perverted. Fellas, you can love each other without it being sexual and weird. You can say I love you. You can hug. You can care for each other. You can dream of being fathers. You can dream of being husbands. You can. It's not weird. It's what you were created to do. You were created to love, fellas. What does the Bible say we have to do to our wives? Love them. It actually doesn't even require women to love us. It requires the women to respect us. But women are so nurturing, they automatically love. But we are required to love, fellas. So do not let society, do not let the world make you abandon a part of you that you were created for. You were created for love and affection, period. So, fellas, we are the bride of Christ. Ladies, you're fine with this. You're the bride of Christ. You're the bride of Christ. And what's interesting about marriage, I think of the proposals, right? There's something new in this generation that was not around when I was younger, and it is the promposal. Oh, yeah, I've seen them. You know, some, some people, there's flash dances, right? Flash mob dances. I, I think I'm saying it right. So, yeah. Flash mob dances. And then the girl walks out and she's like, what's going on? And all her friends are dancing. Boom, 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 boom. And then out of nowhere, the guy appears and will you go to prom with me? Or one guy, there was a helicopter. There's all types of promposals, right? And, and when she says yes, oh, it's amazing. But when she says no, woo, it's embarrassing. Listen, fellas, if you do a promposal, and she says, yes, I'm with you. But if she says no, I will laugh at you. But anyway, it's embarrassing, but that's, that's what our generation wants. We want the public spectacle. When, 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 when you propose for marriage, we want the public spectacle. This generation says, if you love me, you have to not only tell me, but you need to let the world know. You need to get on the, get on the, uh, uh, the edge of the boat like Leo and say, I'm in love with this woman. That's what the world wants. I mean, we are so big on the public spectacle that we have now even made baby gender reveals a big thing. I mean, it is huge. We are all about the public spectacle. Fine. God knew that. So what does he say in Colossians 2? When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. 
He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. God so loves the world, he sent his only begotten son as a proposal to die on the cross for us as our sins, for our sins, to make a public spectacle. God is proposing to you today. So why am I telling you not to date God? Because why would you want to date Jesus when Jesus doesn't want to date you? Jesus wants to marry you. Jesus has proposed to you and I on the cross. Instead of on bending knee, his arms stretched wide. Nails in his hands and feet, blood running down his forehead, saying, will you marry me? I'm doing this for you. Don't date Jesus, marry Jesus. Jesus wants to marry you. And here's, there's a lot of benefits to marriage. A lot of benefits to marriage. We could get into another day. However, it's very important when I'm talking about accepting Jesus, this is why. Listen to what scripture says. 2 Corinthians 5.10, before, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us. For the things we've done while in the body, whether good or bad. One day, all of us will face judgment on everything we've done. In fact, scripture says you will face judgment. You will be judged for every careless word out of your mouth. And this is, this is where the series comes together. This is why I'm telling you, don't awaken love before it's time. You don't want to make a promise to someone that you can't keep, and then you're going to be judged for that promise. You don't want to say something to somebody in anger, and you're going to be judged for that. Every careless word out your mouth, think. Think, we have all said careless things to each other. Every careless word you'll be judged by, I will be judged by. One day we will be judged. And on the day of judgment, there will be four people there. None of your friends will be there. Your mother and your father won't be there. In fact, your earthly spouse, the earthly husband and wife won't be there. There will be four people on the day of judgment. One, you. Standing alone. You. There will be the judge. Psalm 75, 7. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts the other. There will be the accuser who is Satan, that devil, that dragon. Revelations 12 calls him the accuser of our brethren. He's taking note. He's the opposite of Santa. He's taking a list but of all of the bad things you've done. He's just waiting to accuse you. There, then there will be one who will testify, and that's Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one me mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. 
Jesus is the only credible witness in all creation. Why? Jesus is all God. Jesus can testify to the things that are of God. Jesus can testify to God's character. Jesus can testify God has never failed you, not once and never will fail you. Jesus can testify that God has kept all of his promises to you. Jesus can testify that God has always been there with you and has never forsaken you. Jesus can testify to that. And at the same time, because Jesus was born and the word was made flesh, Jesus can testify to the things of man. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are going to be tempted. Jesus lived a perfect life, which makes Jesus the only one that can be a witness. But here's the good news. When you say yes to Jesus and when you marry Jesus, do you know the one person that even the law can't make you testify against? Your spouse. The law cannot make you testify against your spouse. So is it surprising that Jesus is trying to marry us and not date us? There's no benefits of dating. Because the truth is, when you date someone, you can get to know each other and realize we don't like each other and go your separate ways. You can't do that with God. Jesus wants to marry you because of the benefits that come to marriage. But most importantly, Jesus, as your husband, won't testify against you. And if Jesus won't testify against you, and he's the only credible witness, if there is no witness, there is no case. And if there is no case, you are in right relationship with God, and you can spend eternity in heaven. Jesus has taken away all of your sins. Not only by getting up on that cross, but also by marrying you. Marrying you. So the decision is yours. This entire series has culminated to this point right here. In order for any other relationship in your life to work, you have to be married to Christ. When you are married to Christ... It makes it easier to let people walk out of your life that don't need to be there. When you are married to Christ, it makes it easier for you to accept people in your life that may get on your nerves because you know you go home to Christ. When you are married to Christ, every relationship makes sense. But the decision is yours. When you are married to Jesus, when Jesus is your husband, you go home to someone every night that states that you are beautiful, that states that you are handsome, that states that you are more than a conqueror, that states that you can do it, that states that he thinks about you more than every grain of sand on the beach, that states that there's nothing that he won't do for you, that states he will never leave you and never forsake you. You go home to someone that has your back, that is your number one cheerleader. Because here's the truth. The insecurities we have doesn't come from God. It comes from the world. The hate we have doesn't come from God. It, it, it comes from the world. If you've ever found yourself feeling like you're not beautiful, you're not handsome, that doesn't come from God because God is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven saying, no, you're beautiful, you're handsome. It comes from comparison. 
It comes from us looking out in the world and looking at other people. It comes from other people telling us that they don't consider us beautiful or handsome. If you ever thought that you couldn't do something or was discouraged, that didn't come from God because God is in heaven saying, I got you. You can do it. You're amazing. It's the world that says, oh, no, you're not good enough. You're not worth it. So marrying Jesus, marrying God is attaching ourselves to the one source in all of creation that keeps you going, that keeps you upright, that protects you, that always gives you hope, that always, always perseveres, and that never fails you. So the choice is yours. As we close this Love Lockdown series, who will you give your heart to today? Will you allow your heart to remain in the world where there's the comparison game? There's always someone prettier. There's always someone more handsome. There's always someone better. Will you continue to allow your heart to be in the hands of those individuals that don't even know how to use it? It's not that they don't care. We have to get that out our minds it's not that people don't care. It's just they don't know what to do with you. They don't know how to use you. They didn't make you. Or today, will you give your heart to the one who knows how to use it, who knows how to protect it, who knows how to guard it? Will you give your heart to the one who has a plan for you, not to kill you, but a plan with hope, a plan to give you a future. Will you give the, your heart to the one that laid his life down and will lay his life down again just so you can have another chance? Bow your heads. Thank you for listening. We hope that this message has confirmed what God has already placed in your heart. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And remember, you rise when you study God's word and we rise when we unite God's kingdom. Let's rise together.